because uh, I don't know, I had this idea of a head teacher, I had an idea of an Islamic leader, and it wasn't you. Mashallah, <laughs> 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 actually, more than what I expected. You don't become a head teacher because you think, oh, I've got nothing else to do. You do it because you're passionate, you care about the children, you think you can make a difference, you yeah. think you can make a real change, you think you can change society, you think you can change the world. Because well, I remember, embarrassingly, when our local imam came, I used to run, <laughs> run the other way in school. <laughs> yeah, the thousand schools, at one point in my life, I hope, inshallah, I'll be in a position to say that I've opened, impacted, supported um, over a thousand schools, inshallah. As a head teacher, um, you're only as good as your team. So I use my football analogy here. <laughs> Islam is everything. It's who you are, how you interact, how you behave, how you eat, how you walk, how you talk. All of those things should be embodied in, uh, within a person. Oh yeah, I'm the head teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't really quite believe that. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show. Raising awareness of Islamic schools. Busy head teacher, mashallah, right? Yeah? Lots of stuff going on. Yeah. What does a busy head teacher have for lunch when he's on the go? What's your go-to meal? Uh, to be honest, nothing. My go-to meal is nothing generally. I normally have fruit okay. during the day. If I manage to get out, then I'll I'll get out. But I mean, when I say get out, I don't get out. To be honest, if I'm if I'm happening to be go, going between two places, then I might grab a sandwich or something. Okay. Um, failing that, then normally I have my fruit with me. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just probably a bad habit, but. You just kind of carry on, work through lunch, work through, and just get home and have a nice meal at home. Oh, so you you, you don't bring a meal in from home, or you just kind of binging on your fruit? Is that what it is? Yeah, you know, maybe it's my lack of organisation, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, at different phases of my career, different things. So at times I was having school dinners, times I was having a sandwich, times we were going out. But okay. um, I think generally, since being a head teacher, some people say they never see me eat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I do eat, but not as often. Uh, I mean, genuinely, you know, you, you don't have time to sit and have a meal. Maybe that's my own personal yeah. uh, work-life balance. I need to kind of recalibrate, but <laughs> that's how I feel. I just always go, go, go. So there's always something to be done. So, um, yeah, and Hamza, you know what you don't notice? is kind of motor through the day, and then by the time you get home, then there's always a nice meal made at home, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So. Okay, so we're going to do some quick fire questions, right? Yeah, okay. that was just to get uh, the uh, the juices flowing. Yeah. Um, if there's any lesson that you'd, if there's any lesson that you'd have to cover, which lesson would you choose? <laughs> to cover, um, I don't mind. You know, I, the primary curriculum is really interesting, so you get lots of things. The things that I'm, I don't find very easy, uh, I don't enjoy, I should say as well. Um, things like science are not not my favorite subject to be honest. Um, but other than that, all others I really kind of I guess I enjoy. Even science is fine. Do you get me? But it's like um, there's no particular favorite, all time favorite, or one I don't like. I, I actually enjoy the, the the kind of variety. So one minute you might have to do a PE lesson, next minute you're doing a computing lesson, next minute you're doing a science or art lesson. So um, so yeah, and I'm not very creative. So maybe. Even the art I try. But what I try to do is actually use that as a kind of strength. So I said to kids, I'm not good at art, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> and that's one of the things I try to get in their mindsets as well. So that's really important for me. When's the last time you had to cover a lesson? Ooh, quite a while ago now. Yeah. Quite a while ago now. You think you've still got the touch? Yeah, inshallah. I like to think how, if I was a teacher, I'd be the, the best teacher there is. You know? Like 
do everything inshallah with the best you can that's what my kind of philosophy is so yeah alhamdulillah that's good zoom teams google meets or another in my last school when we started the pandemic was zoom yeah in this school uh it's teams okay so your teams man yeah nice and organized everything in one place exactly <laughs> we got the whole office package now so it's organized yeah okay so we're quite fortunate alhamdulillah it's uh friday today Alhamdulillah. What do you look forward to most on Friday? Friday, uh, in my current school, uh, you, well, not just in my current school, in previous schools, obviously, it's the day of Juma, you pray Juma with the kids. Um, uh, it's the end of normally a tough week. So normally you try to like just kind of wind down, spend some time with the kids. I try to spend some time with the kids on Friday. Like today I was out there. Wandering around, seeing what kids are doing. I had a skipping competition. I heard actually when I signed in. Oh Ust- I overheard Ustad that they're skipping, and I thought, okay. <laughs> I hope he has a shower before he turns up to the podcast. <laughs> it wasn't that strenuous. They challenged me, so I said, "All right, come on, girls, let's see who can do the most." So I, anyway, well, suffice that I left as champion. So that's amazing. Mashallah. So it's a nice day for you to interact with the. With yeah, the it's a nice. You get chance. Um, you know, normally a lot of the, the heavy meetings and stuff is at the beginning of the week. Um, sure. Friday, try to um, yeah, get out and about. Today's obviously the weather's changed. Mashallah, it's a beautiful day, so it's a good chance to get out there and just see what's going on. Keep an eye on kids, talk to kids. That's the best part of our job, isn't it? That being with the children. So I find that always a kind of refreshing opportunity. Alhamdulillah. What's generally your favorite part of the day? On uh, on a school day. What, what day? What part of the day do you? There's no favorite part of the day. You know, I I, I kind of give analogies. School's like a hamster wheel. You jump in there and you keep running, and you jump out at the end of the day. And that and that's how it seems like to me. You come in the morning. This as soon as you you know you come in, you've got things to do with absences. Then you're on gate duty, meeting parents, children, dealing with issues, and then you know it might be assembly straight away. So it's all it's all kind of kind of crammed together. Um, so I won't say I have a favorite time of the day as such. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's um, it's all good. Alhamdulillah, I'd say. Yeah. And finally, um, are you a? Do you look forward to um, nine a.m. or three thirty p.m.? Do I look forward to nine a.m. or three thirty p.m.? You got the times wrong there. Do I look forward to eight a.m. or six p.m.? Okay, eight a.m. or six p.m. God, what's that? Which uh, one? Uh, Good. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, Alhamdulillah, I'm blessed that I say many people, they have what we call the uh, Sunday night blues, don't they? Oh, I've got to work tomorrow. I never have that, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You know, that's a big blessing for me that I'm doing a job that I'm passionate about. I'm doing a job that I enjoy. Um, and not many people get to do that. Mm. Not many people get to do that. So I'm always grateful that Allah's given me that opportunity. Alhamdulillah. And I'm also grateful that, you know, um, I get to meet lots of different people. School's a, an amazing place to be. Um any school because there's always something going on something different some different skills you're developing or you know uh, utilizing so um yeah I, I, it's hard to say some days yeah, you're looking forward to home time i'll be honest and some days uh you come in the spring in your step and you're ready to kind of knock out some big projects in the day so it all depends yeah. so start how long have you been a head teacher now for as a head teacher this is going to be my Eighth year. We're going to start my eighth year in September, inshallah. Mashallah. Yeah. How many years have you been in education? About 20 years? I qualified in 99. As a 99. Teacher, so. Wow, so 23 years? Yeah. Wow, it's been a long time. A long time. 
It's for some... And I still only look like 30. <laughs> We're going to come to that part of it. <laughs> that's when you're going to have to stand up. I was going to say, for some, that's, um, that's an entire lifetime. Um, so, mashallah, you've... Uh, you, you've been in the game for for a long, yeah, long time. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I, I, as soon as I qualified, I, I got into teaching. And my brother always jokes because you can't find any other job. Because <laughs> um, to be fair, there were like bursaries and all sorts being handed out. But my my uh, response to that is that I, I did work experience in year 10 at, at primary school uh, you know, okay. for two weeks. And I really loved it. And the kind of dynamic nature of schools, the constant moving and... You know, there's always something funny happening. Kids say funny things. Kids talk to you. You know, there's always something different. Um, I would never find myself behind a desk, you know, all day. Sure. Uh, and if this job was just about sitting behind a desk, I, I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, so it's um, been a long time. So why did you choose to become a head teacher? Why, why a head teacher? Uh, well, a head teacher, I think you have to set yourself high expectations. Mm. Um, now, not by saying that, I'm not saying everyone has to become a head teacher, but... Early on, I noticed um, people in positions of leadership that I felt to myself, thought, well, I'm not sure. I think without being too kind of big headed, I thought I could do that as well. And I thought I could say, you know, I could take on a responsibility. And then when you couple it with your kind of faith and the importance of leading and the importance of being a role model and the importance of um, your Satakajaria. It, there's nothing better there's nothing better i don't think there's any other job that quite sits as powerfully as being a head teacher in a school i think if you think about people say what was the if the prophets had a job alayhim salam what would it be they would be all teachers wouldn't they so for me to be in a position where i run a school i work with teachers i work with young people that have the opportunity to really inspire them and move them forward uh, particularly in a faith school as 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 articulate young confident Muslims mm. and of course for me that's something which um you can't beat. Mm. Mashallah I think um what if if anything uh, I've realized with uh, leaders of Muslim schools there's always this connection beyond just the the check that you take home at the end of the month. Yeah I mean uh, alhamdulillah I think if you ask if you mean like the head teacher standards, you know, teachers, head teachers are driven by a moral purpose, and the yeah. vision, the drive, the values, all of these things. And, you know, for us as Muslims, they're inherent to our, our belief. Um, but any head teacher, you don't become a head teacher because you think, oh, I've got else to do. You do it because you're passionate, you care about the children, you think you can make a difference, you yeah. think you can make a real change, you think you can change society, you think you can change the world. And hence you make all that effort to become um, someone that uh, can be at the top of their profession and then, you know, uh, implant all those things that you wish. Yeah. I guess it's one thing wanting to do it, but it's another thing doing it. You know, there's a hundred people out there that might want to become a leader of a Muslim school or a school for that matter. But I guess there's a lot of hard work that that's involved. Yeah, I mean, there's there. multiple things you mentioned that. There's obviously, there's a lot of hard work. First was the blessings from Allah that Allah gives us the tawfiq. And it's a tawfiq to be able to lead a school. Mm. Um, it's a blessing from Allah first and foremost. And thereafter, then obviously you have to have the drive, the commitment, the passion, the dedication to want to become a head teacher and the resilience to become a head teacher because it's not an easy job. Um, but also I think um, a lot of people, I've noticed in my career, working with a lot of people, especially from, you know, 
our our community, as in when I say our community, I mean Muslims, but um, more generally minority ethnic communities, you'll find that actually there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs mm. and they don't feel they can achieve something or go on to something. So I alhamdulillah, have a lot of confidence in myself. Um, where that comes from, I don't know, but it's something um, that I knew I could push myself to do. And um, and alhamdulillah, I was fortunate enough to be able to achieve it, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. I remember speaking to you um, on many occasions, mm. but one occasion in particular, I don't know if you remember, we were coming back from an event in Leicester and I asked you, and you don't have to share it if you don't want to, but I asked you, what's your... What's your ultimate aim? What's your ultimate goal in terms oh, yeah. of what you try to achieve? So you can remember the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I, we don't have to share it. It's not a problem. Uh, but I remember that stuck in my head. And I thought, you know, mashallah, like I said to you, you know, head teachers of Muslim schools are driven by a purpose, by a goal. And, you know, like what you just said about this self-belief and this confidence and this ability to want to do more and more and more and and. And to some extent, not knowing your limits, because I just think that actually the idea of what you've been given, the blessing, as you say, I think, um, and then mashallah, you know, it's a it's a brilliant trait that I've come across with yourself and, and other Muslim leaders. So mm. alhamdulillah, you know, it's uh, it's something I hope that can be instilled in future leaders moving forward. Because, because I think, you know, People like yourself and maybe the generation that came before yourself, you're, you're probably not as old as you know, people might think you are. There was a generation before you, alhamdulillah. Um, <laughs> you know, worked hard, right? Worked hard to get to where you are. And, you know, it's counting those blessings and, and knowing that actually there's a bigger cause and a reason behind what you're doing, what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. No, mashallah. I think. It's I mean, I think the, the conversation you're referring to about my thousand school projects, yeah. I think <laughs> you have to keep saying it. The more you say it, the more you believe it. See, that's yeah. part of the uh, vision. You recite it yourself before you go to sleep. But uh, joking aside, no. I mean, yeah, look, I think, like I said already, I've touched upon the fact that as a Sadaqajariya, what better, more powerful form of ongoing charity can you have than to teach a generation of children? Where you're caring for children, you're safeguarding children, you're making sure children grow up in, in, uh, in a safe environment and i'm talking about i'm talking about the physical environment the emotional environment the spiritual environment all that together mm. what what better you know um form of sort of can you have that you you play a part in helping these children so yeah the thousand school idea i mean i know uh people think sometimes like thousand schools are you, are you feeling all right but <laughs> um it's what our Prophet taught, taught us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I remember listening to this uh, as a course actually I attended. And um, and the speaker said, look, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was in uh, his weakest moments, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala showed him the signs that he, one day the Muslims would, would take over Constantinople. See, and they'll take over Rome. So the point was, and even Allah says in the in the Quran, isn't it, in Surah that, you know, uh, Rome will be conquered and the point there is that even in our weakest moments and our most uh, self-doubting moments we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that if we really push ourselves we can achieve great things and I remember he mentioned the story of Gandhi he said you know I don't know if it's true or not but it's a nice story where Gandhi was uh, thrown off the train in India of the white there was a carriage for white people only and he was thrown off and he was lying in the mud 
and he said what and at that moment he's made you know resolved to himself that i'm going to make sure that india gains independence from the british and the, the point he's making was that that's his weakest moment but he he had this vision that okay you know what and that's what the greatest leaders do and that's what i aspire to do as well so that yeah the thousand schools at one point in my life i hope inshallah i'll be in a position to say that i've opened impacted supported um over a thousand schools inshallah um, inshallah. um so let's see watch the space inshallah gives you uh, the ability to do Ameen. so because Ameen. um you know mashallah i think there's a lot of schools that could that could benefit from it Ameen. what's been the highlight of your uh your time as a head teacher over the last eight years if there was a particular moment that stands out what's the highlight hi uh there's many highlights you know it, um there's nothing specific um that i can say oh this was a specific thing that i remember you know fondly there's lots of memories and there's lots of uh events that you get um share one with us that that comes to you forefront of your mind well right now is uh i was i was touched yes i went home after it's been a tough week in our school and i went home and um an old parent emailed me and it was just out of the blue and uh, she said, I hope you don't mind me contacting you. And, you know, I read the email and she was just was very, um, just was very touching, to be honest, um, you know, because obviously I've left that school and um, she was just talking about the impact I'd left and how, you know, the changes that were made and the high regard people held me in and so on and so forth. So it was just... I don't know what spurred her on to do it, but when you get those kind of little moments, you think, okay, you know what? You make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't always notice that because Muslims generally by their nature, you know, we're taught to be humble and um, self-deprecating. We don't really go around, you know, like some people that, you know, blow their own trumpet all the time. But what you forget is that you do have an impact. And I'll, I'll quote this line, I've read it once and I forget what I read it, but you know, certain words stick with you, like, know thy impact. You know, when you're as a leader going around, helping people, supporting people, encouraging people, motivating people, holding people to account, everything, people, there's an impact from that. And mm. you don't always immediately see that impact. You just, just said something in passing or you said hello and how are you and asked about someone or, yeah. and that that small thing, means so much to the people around you um so yeah you get things like that i mean obviously the if i'm talking about big highlights is the fact that i got my headship alhamdulillah. you know uh, alhamdulillah that was a big you know uh the fact i got it in the first place um and then uh from that headship of my previous school uh, which is one home entry to you know to get the headship of you know the, the largest va school in london and it's a muslim Ashallah. school like that and um you know it's um it's a blessing. It's a blessing and an honor for me. And, um, you know, I always say sometimes that you always, you sit there and you think, oh yeah, I'm the head teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't believe, quite believe that. You should pinch you know? yourself. <laughs> yeah, pinch yourself that you are the head teacher and everyone's, you know, uh, it's just in the moment sometimes it, it does hit you. But yeah, um, I suppose they would be the highlights. The fact that I got my first headship yeah. And then after a successful time in that school, I managed to get a second headship, um, personal highlights. But the highlights that always stick with you are, are, the, are the kids and, and how the kids are and the jokes and the laughs. And, you know, you don't remember every single thing, but in that moment, you really enjoy what kids say to you. and You have a good laugh with them. And, yeah. you know, um, that's what makes a job special. Alhamdulillah. Whenever I've seen you interact with uh, your students, um, 
I, I can I can tell that mashallah you have a good relationship because it's very 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 nice and sweet and very kind of gentle and I can see that they would have that connection with you so yeah I think it's important because you know when we talk about Islamic ethos in schools what is Islamic I always use this line with my staff and you know I say what is Islamic ethos Islamic ethos is the people for children, they don't understand what Islamic ethos is in terms of, oh, I'm reading Quran, I'm reading, they know it's spiritual or it's, it's something that they should be doing, mm-hmm. but it's not actually uh, what they read, it's what they feel and what they experience and the people around them. So they definitely need uh, good role models, people that are there, people that, um, uh, you know, if we say our deen is about good akhlaq, then of course everyone has to show the good akhlaq. You know, um, lead by example. Lead by example, absolutely. Um, and I remember my son used to, <laughs> you know, kids say funny things. You know, one thing is a kind of spurt of anger. He said, Oh, he's always telling us not to get angry, but he gets angry himself, <laughs> you know. And um, it's uh, it's what I teach, it's not me, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, not that I don't get angry, I do get angry as well, you know. But um, but the point he was making was, and I, it just that moment kind of stayed in my mind because. That's it, isn't it? Children, they understand uh, what you do in through your actions much more than, especially the young children, much more than what you say. Definitely. So we need to make sure that we lead by example. And, you know, I would say our children, you don't know what their backgrounds are, where they come from, what difficulties they're going through. So being kind and polite with them, I think is very, very important. And even when you have to hold them to account for something they've done wrong, you don't need to be shouting and screaming about it. And that's when you take our example from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said about Anas radiallahu anhu said that, you know, I, I served the Prophet 10 years and he never once said, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? Or scold him or, you know, and that teaches you a lot about how we should be working with children. That particular um, kind of narration you just shared with us just now, I, I came across that yesterday actually. Okay. And um, somebody was making reference to it in a safeguarding webinar and i thought yeah. you know what we need to make more references uh to our prophetic kind of teachings and use well, them as a well every, everything as muslims we know we have the answer in our quran and our, and our and our traditions from the prophet muhammad and you read books on leadership and just have to add in a hadith and yeah. a verse of the quran and you you know um and that's why um for me, I, I I feel I've been successful because I try my best to always um, anchor myself back in what's the right thing to do from a moral point of view. So yeah. when I have conversations with staff, I can have conversations comfortably because I know I'm not coming from a um, you know uh, from a bad place. I'm coming from a point where I'm trying to say something which I'm not saying with any malice or mad intention. I'm actually saying it because it's what I feel it needs to be said at that moment in time and for the right reasons sure. and not. And obviously people can't always uh, accept that and they're not always um, understanding of that. But I think over time people do appreciate that and realize that, okay, you know what, I may not agree with him, but, you know, I, I can see where he's come from. Yeah. So I asked you earlier on, what's the highlight of your time as a head teacher? What's been the lowest point? What's been a real difficult moment that you can recall uh, during your time? Um. I suppose the difficult ones are always the safeguarding investigations. Um, they're always, someone says their stomach churning and normally they are. Um, and that's where the support of colleagues are important. 
um, because you know children are so innocent, and mm. you know when you have to deal with issues, um, difficulties in families, problems, issues. You know we're humans as well, and and we feel it as well. So they're probably the ones that you get that kind of gut wrenching feeling, um, and they're the ones that you don't really look forward to. Other things you can kind of keep doing, you know sort cover absences you know, assembly you know all the usual stuff you have to kind of deal with that's fine it's when you have to deal with you know issues of serious nature that's what i would say are low points for me sure okay so one one final question about your time and your your you as a head teacher more than anything um what are the biggest challenges that you face as a head teacher? What's the things that you you might struggle with or that you're looking to improve on? I just want, as a head teacher in general? Yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean, as a head teacher, um, you're only as good as your team. So I use my football analogy here. <laughs> if you've got the best players, then you your job oh, is to be easy. I just remembered which team you support as well, actually. <laughs> it's, it's, nobody's going to... Anybody, look, this is going out, obviously, on... Uh, I'm going to plug it. It's going out on YouTube. Anybody can um, kind of guess which team or stud supports uh, will send you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, let's move on. Let's move on <laughs> because it's not, not none of the top teams, but at least I'm true to my roots, you know. Yeah. Um, mid, think mid, think mid eighties, mid eighties, and uh, you know, high flyers in the mid eighties, uh, <laughs> down ever since. Um, uh, so yeah, and the headship, it's, uh, you know, the analogy is a bit full of, like a football manager. You know, it's about getting the best players in your team, the right formation, the right structure, motivating them, moving them forward. So I often think about that. You know, like the different types of football managers they have that, and how they get the best out of their players. And that's a bit like we have to get the right people in our classrooms, mm-hmm. the right teachers. Um, so challenges are keeping and retaining the best staff. Um, training them up to be the best staff they can be and then keeping them that they, they are the challenges that we're battling with every mm. single day um and yeah because if you have high quality staff then your job is so much more easier sure. but then the challenge is not to moan about it is what do you do to make a difference so i was talking the other day with my senior leadership team member i was saying that you know if you can get some of the right attitude and the right mindset that's what you need because then you have to make the difference. And I say you as in we as a school, we have to make a difference. So that teacher that's come with the right mindset, what are we doing to make sure that teacher becomes, you know, an accomplished, experienced, expert teacher? Yeah. If you weren't a head teacher, what would you be? In the school? No, not in the school, just, just outside of, well, yeah, maybe in the school or even outside of education. I often say I wouldn't, wouldn't mind being teaching assistant. Teaching assistant. Yeah. Why is that? You want to do what? Well you, get spend, well, you get to spend time with the kids still, don't you? you you're, still, you're still with the kids. It's not as pressured as a teaching job um, or senior leadership. Um, you're still in with the kids. You still get time to spend with them, enjoy the time, be with them, help them learn, so on and so forth. So you're, you're there, but you're not in the direct firing line, which is uh, which is nice. And what about outside of education? Outside of education, I I love uh, property programs. So okay. if, I could, had a, if I had a chance, I'd love to develop property and do things in property if i could property developer mashallah yeah alhamdulillah have you have you actually strange question have you ever considered coming out of education during, during uh, the, the last 23 years has there ever been a moment where you thought 
No, I wouldn't say coming out of education. What I've considered is um, different roles in education. So that idea of the thousand school that you're talking about, I've often thought, you know, in the future, I'm not going to be able to be a head teacher of a thousand schools, mm. obviously. But if I can impact perhaps leaders in a in an organization somewhere, um, support leaders in, in a larger school. Um, you know, I went to Uganda many years ago and I remember shortly after my kind of life-changing vision of a thousand schools and i went to um uganda to help some train some teachers actually for a friend of mine amazing country amazing place really loved it still waiting to go back but anyway we'll move on from that and one of the things that we went to the uh um i forget the exact acronym now but it's the uganda muslim association of, of some sort but they're in charge of schools as well for muslims there and I said, how many schools you got? I said, I've got about 2,453. I thought, oh, brilliant, that's it. <laughs> I've sorted. I need to up my number from 1,000 to 2,000 because that, that his his job as a secretary of state or of education or something along the line, it was to support these schools. Now, obviously, they're all short, all sorts of shapes and sizes. You know, it's not one type of school. Mm. But um, if you could get there and work with the leaders of those schools and work with them across the across the country or across the ministry, that would be something amazing, something like that. But definitely always within education, I think. I can see myself always being doing something. Alhamdulillah. I just think to myself, um, inshallah, if Allah wills, then this podcast going out to the world mm. could also contribute towards your yeah, you don't schools. know Allah, Allah, Allah gives you the tawfiq, isn't it? So you yeah. don't know which doors will open, who will read, yeah. listen, and say, oh, can I get some help? So let's see. You never know. Inshallah. Gatton Primary School. Mashallah. Like yeah. you said, the biggest VA school in London, is it? Um, yeah. Second biggest in the UK? Uh, UK, I'm not sure. Probably either joint or second, definitely. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's many bigger schools in, in the UK. Three for entry, mashallah. So I just noticed as I was coming in, you've got an elevator on site. Mashallah. That's yeah. quite unique, by the way, for a Muslim school, right? So you've got the privilege of that. Um, if you and I jumped into the elevator and I didn't know anything about your school of start and I was just coming in for the first time, what would be your elevator pitch? The elevator to, pitch. Yeah, to describe <laughs> getting. Considering, considering how many floors are there in this building? Three. Oh, you haven't got much time. <laughs> you have much time. Well, I think Gatton is a symbol of the collective efforts and sacrifices of the local community. And I think it stands testimony to that um, because all these schools have history. And those histories are often forgotten because um, the new generation of parents that were coming here, they don't know where it started from. They just take it for granted. This is a Muslim school. It's famous because it's got a swimming pool. That's the first line. Oh, you got a swimming pool. <laughs> and that's a, that's another claim to fame, which is a blessing. It's a VA school, obviously, hence it's been funded and it's purpose-built. Uh, VA meaning voluntary aid, so the, the government funded it, and hence they were able to afford to build. You know, I'm not sure what the build cost was, but you know, four or five million, I'm sure, something in, in the region of that that figure, um, over 20 years ago now. So it's um, it's a beacon, it's a beacon for Muslim schools. That's what I would say, you know, and uh, and I recognize that, and that's something which, as we grow and develop over the next few years, I hope to really kind of promote and push and help support other schools, inshallah. You've worked both in independent Muslim schools and now in a VA voluntary aid in Muslim. What's the um, you know? I know we could probably talk about this for 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 a podcast in itself, but I mean, what really stands out to you as as kind of differences between the two models? 
Well, first of all, it's free for the parents. That's the big, mm. big, big difference. And uh, independent school parents are always paying, striving to pay. And obviously, when people say pay, they think, oh, private school, they've got lots of money. Yeah. And that's not the case. They haven't got lots of money. Um, but they have sacrificed other things to be able to pay for their children to go to an Islamic school. Here, they've got all of that for free. And that's a blessing that um, uh, our parents should never forget. Um, and like I say, it's a blessing for me to work here. And that's something I should never forget as well. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could always replace you with someone else and give someone else the opportunity. So it's really important that we're grateful for what we have. Um, that's one big difference. Um, and hence, as a consequence of that, there's more money floating around in VA schools, which I think everyone knows. The salaries payable are much higher than independent school. Um, and in this case, the facilities are, uh, are much you know, larger um, to cater for the children. But there's also similarities. The children are the same in the end. The curriculum mm. is the same in the end. Um, the importance of teaching and learning is the same in the end. The importance of safeguarding is the same in the end. So in its kind of, uh, at its core, it's the same thing. Um, but there are lots of other things. And, uh, and being funded with public money, then obviously there's a, ho a whole load of um, regulation and checks and balances we have to keep in control whether it's to do with you know human resources, whether it's to do with purchasing and so on and so forth. Whereas in private school, obviously, the proprietor owns the school and he can decide to run the school as he or she wants. Um, so yeah, there's a few few kind of differences. Sure. Just picking up on something you said earlier on about um, the football analogy that you used. Um, tell me a little bit about the team that you have here, the people that are involved, um, the staff that work for you, and also just the the people that you um, are accountable to as well. Um, yeah, so uh, being a maintained school, BA school, we have a board of governors and the board of governors are comprised of the traditional, uh, uh, what's the traditional, uh, you know, it's normally like the parent governors, there's a local authority representative, there is the trust who own the school, there, you know, four or five members from them, uh, myself, the head teacher, um, so there's a whole range of, as in any other um, maintained school, you've got a board of governors. Yep. So I'm accountable to them. Um, and obviously the performers manage me and so on and so forth. Um, in terms of my team, then Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm fortunate that I've got a large team. Um, you know, say there's almost like 85, 90 members of staff here at Gatton. Um, you know, every everyone and everything from middays all the way through to senior leadership team, um, and uh, as a collective, I'm I'm very fortunate. You know, Alhamdulillah, it's an outstanding school, um, and therefore, you know, mashallah, the depth of experience we have in the school is uh, it's tremendous, um, and it's my job to kind of improve on that and move forward and, and constantly have that mindset that we can get better um, uh, as a school because every day is new, mm. you know, um, and it sounds a bit cliche, but it's true in terms of you can't rest on your laurels, you can't rest on reputation, you have to try to improve things, make things better, change things for the better, improve things where you see areas that need to be improved and obviously maintain the strengths that you have as a, as a school. Sure. If you'd like to find out more about what Murabiyun does, jump onto our website, murabiyun.com. There, there, there's a team that you have make life easier for you. 
Uh, or do they make more life? Well, of course, I've got to say yes now. No, I'm joking. Or do they make my life more difficult? No, look, I, look. As any HTG goes into new school, I've only been here. I'm literally, I think, about a few weeks to my first year anniversary. Any any new uh, HTG comes in, um, there's always going to be a period of turbulence. I think because people are adjusting to a new leader, different approach, different style, different managements, different practices, um, and you know the if you take the idea of the keep that football as you're going some players are going to also transfer some players are going to retire some players are going to uh, get injured some players you know it's very similar and you know you have to kind of manage all of that process uh, as a, as a head teacher um but as a head teacher you have a, your own style of play yeah you could have someone playing the long ball game before and you want to play that nice tick attacker Man City style football, you know, and there's which, which one are you? Long ball, tick attacker, <laughs> the uh, what is it? The ragged neck press or something? <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Yeah, well, yeah. Do you want to play the high pressure or do you want to play the? Uh, yeah, exactly. So in the same way, so as a head teacher, and obviously for the staff, what's difficult for them is try to understand me and what I'm trying to do and what my motivators are and how best to support me. Um, and making sure we're working together, and that takes time, and that takes coaching, and that takes um, uh, conversations and performance management, and all the other processes that we have in school, so that we can slowly transform the school to the kind of vision it, the trustees have for the school, and also me as head teacher, uh, the kind of values and vision that I I want to um, promote in my school. So that's where it becomes that challenge. And that's what that's the challenge. Head teacher. I remember one head teacher once said to me. Uh, it's during my head teacher qualification and I did a placement and uh, we're talking about something and and um, and he just said, look, um, it's easy to change stuff, right? One person leaves, new person starts. He goes, but the real skill of a head teacher is to transform stuff, to take that staff member and make them achieve much more, mm-hmm. make them achieve differently change their style of play you know that's where the challenge comes for for um for the head teacher mm. um and obviously the school i want to have is where i feel that the teachers are professionally developing i don't want any teachers sit here and think okay i'm just going to pass my time i want them to move forward and that's what i'm hoping to do inshallah i've started and i hope to continue inshallah over the next few years mashallah i really like that um the way you put it you know about transforming stuff so true yeah, but that's just with people, isn't it? In general, it's absolutely, easy, it's easy to push people along and move on to the next person, but yeah. actually, yeah, working with that person and helping them find themselves and yeah. developing them, yeah, and that's what we want for ourselves as well, right? Of course. So that that, that is we should want that for others. Going, going back to my point about the self-limiting beliefs, so often you'll see people that actually can't see their own potential, mm. and they just have to be, you know developed in the right way they haven't had the right environment to develop and hence they haven't developed um so i see it's part of my mission to develop people make them better at the job and then and actually what ends up happening of course is they, they become better all around as human beings as more productive members in their own families more productive in society more productive to all their loved ones as well so it's a what's big up? responsibility what's the difference between your primary school and any other primary school in this locality? So obviously, as I mentioned, we, we're a faith school. Um, so we are very clear and very proud of the fact that we nurture our children's Islamic identity. Mm. Um, what does that mean in practice? Well, there's some 
simple things like we have Islamic studies five times a week, um, and hence our school days a bit longer than other schools. Um, it means that they study and learn how to read Quran in the school. It means that they are also learning Arabic as a modern foreign language in the school. Okay. It means that they can come and pray in the school when they want to pray during the day. It means in Ramadan, we'll have a slightly earlier finish and recognizing the children have that, um, uh, that spiritual time, which needs to be kind of respected and, and their families, of course, not just them. Um, so uh, th there's a whole kind of range of things there. It means that you know, our children feel comfortable in their identity. You know, it's a lot about, you know, recognizing diversity and so on and so forth. But we're still hearing stories up, up until now about schools that, oh, you can't wear this because it's part of the hijab. You can't grow your beard because of this. You can't do this. You can't. And, you're, you know, and for me, that's a lot about not really understanding um, the value those things hold mm. to a child. So what we're saying here is that children come to a school where the values are shared, where the values that they have at home are reflected in the people in their school. Um, and uh, I think children are uh, empowered by that. They're empowered by the notion that this is who I am and this is, you know, and they don't have those self-limited beliefs because you know, you, you don't get too kind of psychotherapist type chat going on. But those children, those teachers now that you know, why do they have those self-limiting beliefs? And it might go all back to childhood and what they were. Because I remember, embarrassingly, when our local imam came, I used to run the other way in school. <laughs> I think they invited him because it's like, you know, it was Ramadan, let's invite the imam. And because he used to teach me, I was like, I don't want to see him. Like, I ran the other, you know. And um, Is that when you realized that you had bunked off uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, the, even well, before? Well, the thing, no, the, the thing is, let's be honest, we used to live twin lives. Yeah. We used to live a life where we were going to the masjid and read Quran and we were different. And then we had a, our other identity in school. Mm. So it was, I'll be honest, it was almost a little bit of embarrassment because his guy he had an orange big beard, it was like henna and a big massive orange beard and he had the nice turban on and all that. And you're thinking, I don't want to be seen with this guy. <laughs> Let me, it's not, that's not very cool, is it? So, and that is as a child, obviously you're young, you don't understand. But now when you reflect on those experiences, what you basically were saying was, I didn't value who I was. I didn't value who where I came from, I didn't value my culture. I didn't, I still remember from a young age taking samosas to schools and all the kids saying, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, I love the samosas, man. <laughs> More for me. Yeah, well, the thing is, um, I think they, I can't remember what happened now, but they, they, you're taking me all the way back down to primary school now, but I'm pretty sure I, either I threw them away or they threw them away. I can't remember now, oh. but I didn't take them back because once again, it's like, oh, I'm ashamed of the fact that I brought smelly food into school. You know? Now everyone loves samosas. Bring it any day in the week, man. Everyone will be like <laughs> finishing them quickly. But do you see my point that maybe it's a society we've moved forward 20, 30 years. Obviously, there's a whole whole heap of thing about racism and how we grew up and so on and so forth without being too dramatic because obviously I went to, grew up in London, multicultural. I'm not mm. trying to sound dramatic, but um, you know, there were instances of racism. And the thing is, now our children are coming in, they don't have that baggage. Mm. They're coming in and they're being empowered and they're being affirmed. Mm. So that's really powerful for them. Now, um, people might say, well, you can do that at any school. And that's true. Lots of schools do that, but not from an Islamic angle. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here, that the school allows our children to feel comfortable in who they are. 
um, feel confident, confident in their identity as Muslim, be confident in, in what they have to offer. Um, and um, inshallah, we'll see the benefit of that 10 years, 20 years from now, because Islamic schools as a, as a generation are still quite young, you yeah. know, um, as a movement rather, still quite young. Um, so inshallah, over the next 20, 30, 40 years, let's see what we kind of, um, what we produce inshallah. What I know, I know it's the end of the school day and all the kids are going home and I can hear them in the background, mashallah. But mm. if we were able to ask one of the young people to come into the room and we asked, what's your experience like at school? What would they say? Well, what is this school experience like? It's, I think it's, it's a good question and there's a lot more work on people voice now. So we've done a bit of work on that. And um, I think they will say they are happy in school. Okay, I'm I think they will say they enjoy school. I think they would say the children, um, uh, the, uh, they have friends in school. They would say the teachers care for them. I think they would say they get to um, learn Quran. Mm -hmm. I think they would say they um, enjoy doing maths. I think they'll say they love swimming. I think this week they'll say oh, we did a network competition. They'll say we did a curling competition. If you ask some of them, I think they'll talk about the residential we went on two weeks ago. I think they'll talk about the talent show from three, four weeks ago. I had, well, I had well, you think kids make you laugh. So one girl said, "Oh, can we, oh, I've got the show. I've got the song ready for my talent show." I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, okay. What time is it? I was like, "I'm not sure," you know. And uh, and then I saw her afterwards, and she goes, "Okay, I've done my first song. I'm going to my second one now." I said, oh, "Okay." She goes, "It's all about you." That should have been your highlights. Well, no, the thing is, I haven't heard it yet. Let me hear ah, it first. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, me and uh, Ms. Shahar is one of our uh, assistant heads because that's her phase either. I was like, okay, thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, um, so yeah, they're talking about all those opportunities we give them. I think, they'll, uh, I, think, I think you'll find that the vast majority of children are happy. Um, and also today, that's why the fact that the head teacher beat them in the skipper competition. Uh, <laughs> a very competitive head teacher. Sounds yeah. like uh, you've got a bunch Actually, of Actually, to be honest, the first time being out for years, to be honest, well, not years, but months, I would say. So, yeah. You waited for the weather to come out. Wait for the weather, yeah. Fair, fair weather play, yeah. Fair weather. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Sounds like, mashallah, there's a lot of uh, good experiences that they can hold on to. And obviously, you kind of... Um, they have the opportunity to, to participate in lots of different activities. Yeah, and look, I, I you know, and... I think more than the memories, I think uh, another classic line I heard from someone and I always use my staff, I, you know, I always say that, you know, no one, you know, that kind of cliche, no one forgets a good teacher, which is true. Mm. But why is it they don't forget? It's not they remember, oh, yeah, he looked like this. What they what they remember is how they made them feel. Mm. So you might not remember what I taught you, but you will remember how I made you feel. So I think it's so important that children leave Gatton and say, you know what, we really enjoyed that. We remember yeah. those times, this time, that time, this, that, and they connect it with an Islamic environment. Mm. Because too often our experience of Islam as children, uh, like I just said, were shaped by inferiority, embarrassment, um, getting hit, you know, uh, by the Imam because you couldn't read your Quran properly. Um, so. You know, and, and that's had, a, I think, a massive detrimental impact on our community, you know, uh, because no one really looked at that. That'd be really interesting sociological study, experiences <laughs> of Madras in the 1980s uh, and how it's shaped you as a adult, you know. I think there's a lot of people who, have, who, who, who may have gone through that process. I'm sure it's impacted them in some way, shape or form. Big time. Big some time. way I it's think shaped so. it.
I think so. I, I think, um, you know, uh, a lot of our experiences that we have as young people, and then, like you said, I'm sure if somebody does a study in our community or another, we'll, we'll find there's a trend there. Yeah, yeah. Any other special moments in the last year that come to mind, interactions with young people, any of your students? I know you mentioned this one young lady who who, who you um, who was really excited about the talent show, but anything else that stands out in the last year? Oh, there's lo- there's lots of things. I mean, I, I mentioned the residential, so we had some girls coming up and they had the talent show, which I missed. I was caught up with something that day, so I missed most of it. But in the residential, we got them to do it around the campfire. <laughs> so, you know, we had one girl, mashallah, um, the highlight from which, you know, she beautifully read to a bakara and really sure. nice, you know, the, the fire burning. And then she mentioned the verse regarding the fire and how the fire's a light. And, you know, so it was really just, um, those things really kind of touch you when you remember those things. Um, and then, um, yeah, kids, kids, normally it's when the kids do things, you know, that um, uh, outside of the ordinary, if you see what I mean. So mm. it was the thing like that. There was, we get ready for an Arabic competition and I had some kids in here we were just doing some question answers in Arabic and then listening to them and you know those kind of things that, but there's so many I mean I, I could I could spend plenty of podcasts on that you know <laughs> I could go on for hours if I, if I started thinking about all the different different things all the different experiences I've had um, the fun things whether it's I'm just thinking back now a few schools back in the Playing tag rugby in the in the park every morning on Thursday, getting all the kids out, and all the teachers are all like looking like, please cancel it. I'm like, no, it's brilliant, let's go. And you know, the kids just really enjoying themselves, you know. So um lots and lots, lots and lots of things. Mashallah, mashallah. I hope it continues for uh, years um, to come. Inshallah. Um this school, how long has it been around for? About 20 years now, mashallah. 20 years, mashallah. Well, in its current place, uh, 20 years almost. Um, but uh, before that, it was, uh, I believe it was called the Tooting Islamic School. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and it was in the, in the local masjid. If the school wasn't around, would anybody miss it? Oh, I think if this school wasn't around, I think, um, I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of, how do you measure, right? It's, there's no way of measuring. Um, but if I told you, you know, how much Quran has been learned in the school, if I told you how many, how much Quran has been memorized in the school, if I told you how many children have gone on from the school to kind of, I got one just today. I just got a, a parent come to me today and so my ch- child's going to uh, uh, King's College in Wimbledon. I was like, okay, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not from this area, but that's a kind of prestigious and he got a scholarship and, you know, and he goes, and our name's Gap, you know, so, the opportunities we've given our children through the affirmation of who they are, their identities, I think you would have seen a whole generation of children. Um, I, I think it's too strong to say they won't have achieved, get, don't get me wrong, but I think they would not have definitely achieved the confidence in their identity. So as they leave our school and who uh, knowing who they are, that would have been missing. And then I think that's part of the problem when they go into secondary school in terms of peer pressure, um, identifying who they are, all that comes out of a place of where they've spent most of the youth confused. Mm. Whereas here they get the understanding that and the confidence to be, to be proud of who they are. Um, so you can't measure it. Uh, there are some measurements you could have, I guess, but generally you can't actually measure it. But the impact of all that collective means that, of course, it would, it would be missed. I think you would, you would see it in the local community. You're talking about 630 children in the school, right? That's a lot of children. Yep. 
think about how many adults are connected to those children and all of a sudden you've given all those children all those adults experiences um, we try to work work a lot with our parents and you know obviously with covid it's been a bit difficult but as we move forward there's been a lot more opportunities to work with parents and support them and help them become better parents better muslims mm. um, better educators for their children so we want to be able to have that impact with our children and families so that's a lot of people that's a lot of impact a lot of people yeah i mean the fact that you mentioned the school's been around for more than 20 plus years obviously under different guys it's been around so it's well embedded within the community uh, i imagine and uh, i know that this school is part of a, a, a bigger trust of schools as well yes that's correct. so i mean it, it sounds like you know it's very much part and parcel of the community um you know is there many people in this local area that wouldn't know of this school is there many no. i think i think if you ask anyone in in this area they'll know Gatton. It's, I think it's a, it's a it's a pillar of the community. Um, I'm not from South London, but anyone you ask, they'll they'll, they'll say, yeah, you know, Gatton, you know, Gatton. Um, and I think um, the 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 history of Gatton from where it came from, there's lots. I think people may not know the history of Gatton and where it started, but definitely they'll know what Gatton represents now and the fact that it's. Um, you know, high achieving, you know, school in the, in the local community. Mashallah. What's the what's the what's the future hold for Gatton? What's the plans? Where where are you guys going in the next five to ten years? Oh, <laughs> I, I know I know you're a person of vision, and I know you've got you've probably yeah been working in the background with your. Well, I mean, look, this is a collective process. If you ask me my personal vision, then I think, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I think schools like Gatton, our school now needs to really open up and be a kind of teaching hub where we're training our teachers, supporting teaching learning, um, not just in our school, but in the wider community. Um, and that opens up opportunities because <laughs> teachers that perhaps um, uh, may feel a bit reticent to go to other schools might feel more confident coming to our school. Mm. Um, um, it's that opportunity um, available to them. So, yeah. And, you know, for me personally, it'd be yeah, helping other schools, supporting teaching, you know, supporting teachers, qualifications, a research-based school where we're looking at, you know, what works in teaching and learning, really kind of pushing uh, the boundaries with that. Um, a lot of action research. Um, so hopefully we can do all of those things and, and work on, you know, making, uh, getting the driver for all of those things and um, then people know that okay if I want to because the way they kind of deregulated everything now you know they can come and train at Gatton for this and they can come and see an outstanding Islamic studies curriculum they come and see an outstanding Arabic curriculum they come and see outstanding PE English science and they can come here and, and you know hopefully we can tick all the boxes and we can do it in a way that empowers our, our community um, and obviously when I say our community, I'm talking about the community in its wider sense. You know, mm. we've got non-Muslim staff here, alhamdulillah. Um, and that thing, that kind of um, represents an important part of what we do here as well. Um, we're not making our ch children insular. We're not making them segregated. We're, we, you know, we're making them just confident identity in a multi-faith school, yeah? um, a multi-faith society, in a multi-faith country, multi-faith, multi-community whether it's the local community or the wider England or UK or now even the world, you know. So hopefully we can um, really position Gatton at the forefront of developing all those areas, uh, which means that our children will leave um, 
with, 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 a, with a very kind of solid overall holistic uh, experience uh, of what it means to be a contributor in society. Sure. Yeah. No, mashallah, I think um, it has the real potential to do that. I think um, the honest truth is, is that, you know, I would echo those thoughts about it being a beacon. Uh, mashallah, given given the opportunity that you have as a VA school as well. Yeah. Like I said, it's a blessing. Yeah. But also, I think with somebody with, under your leadership and also having somebody who sh- has that ambition, that vision to improve standards across Muslim schools in general, I think there's a really good opportunity there for, for us as a wider community to benefit. So, yeah. inshallah, looking forward to um, not just students, young people coming here and learning, but also teachers, school leaders, and others benefiting from the facilities sure. and the resources that you have access to. So, I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying the content. If you enjoy what you've seen, please press subscribe. It'll make a big difference. Jazakallah khair. I know you're really passionate, like you said, um, not just about Gatton, but about the previous school that you worked at. Uh, I know that you're passionate about even the school that you worked at before that. And education as a whole, like you said, it's part and parcel of who you are. You've lived an entire lifetime of being in education and you've probably spent more time in the school than you have in your own home. Uh, given that you, you, I know you're in, in the summer holidays and the half terms and you're reaching. Not always, man. Not always. So, uh, don't make me sound like some sort of, uh, <laughs> not always, but you have to sometimes. Yeah. yeah so mashallah. So, so I, I know you, you have a, a, a wider interest in, in, in Muslim schools in general and not just, just isolated to, to one school as such, but I wanted to ask you, what is a Muslim school? What does it mean for someone to go to a Muslim school? Or what does it mean for someone to work in a Muslim school? So I think I kind of hinted at the previous, in my previous kind of the earlier discussion. Uh, for me, uh, uh, a Muslim school or an Islamic school, or or, or uh, and, and terms get used in different different ways, and what they mean means different things to different people. Yeah. But what does we, it mean to you? So for me, an, uh, a Muslim school or an Islamic school um, is a school where the ethos is based upon islam um and then the question is what is the ethos the ethos is or was constructed by the people and the curriculum that's in that school so when parents have the opportunity to send their child to an islamic school they are one they're getting the knowledge in the curriculum of an islamic school which is the arabic the quran the islamic studies mm. learning about prophet muhammad sallallahu Learning about Allah and believing in you know uh, in Allah and you know the history of Islam and so there's a whole depending on each school has a slight different slant on it but that's that's what uh, is and the second part of that is that the the people in the school um, embody that so the people in the school embody that so um, the point being that obviously in Islamic school uh, the vast majority of staff are going to be Muslim yeah and you're hoping the vast majority of uh, the staff there. Uh, hold those Islamic values to be important as well, because if we talk about the whole concept of tarbiya and the whole um, nurturing, cultivating the child's uh, identity as a Muslim, then that can only come from a place that comes from the heart, and mm. that means that you, as an individual or as a group of individuals, need to be speaking from the heart and dealing with children from the heart. Um, so there's the kind of functional level of I'm teaching you, but then actually 
it's the kind of the more spiritual, if you wish, uh, level where you're actually wanting the best for this child um, mm. in terms of their Islamic, Islamic upbringing. You want that child to grow up knowing Allah. You want that child growing up worshipping Allah. You want that child knowing the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You want oh, that child to grow up uh, loving the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and being proud of all those things because ultimately our most precious commodity is Iman. Mm. You know, when all is said and done, we know our life is temporary. We know we're going to pass on. And the most valuable thing we have is our Iman. Mm. Um, and that being the case, then Muslim schools are saying to the community, we are here to nurture your most prized asset, your most prized possession, your most prized um, item in this whole world, which is your Iman. Mm. Um, and that's something which is unique about Islamic schools because in other schools, it's a problem or it's not a priority or it's a nuisance mm. or it's uh, a hindrance. And that's what you don't get in Islamic schools. So, you know, your children grow up and I don't want to get a discussion about religi religi religiosity, but, you know, it doesn't mean that your child's going to become a hafid and you're going to be like, you know, you know, all these kind of symbols of what it means to be a good Muslim. It doesn't mean that. But for me, what it does mean is that they leave confident who they are, that, you know, when, when, when all is said and done, I'm a Muslim. I love Allah and I love the Prophet Muhammad so, 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 and, so. I, and I and I and that's 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 what you want, and the rest is between them and Allah. You know, as they grow older, what happens to them and the life experiences they have. Do you think within the community um, there is a differing view that people hold about um, Muslim Islamic schools in terms? Yeah, of because what they because do, we've uh, we've grown up in secular environments, right? So our our parents' generation, Islam was in the masjid. School was for school, university mm. was for university. Don't never, the, never the twain shall mix. You know, you 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 have these kind of secular mindsets without even realizing that, and that's the problem. So many of us suffer from that, and we don't realize that actually, Islam is a complete holistic approach to our life. Mm. So it's how we deal with people, how I deal with you, how I deal with my neighbor, how I buy a car, how I all that Islam kind of is embodied within all those kind of scenarios and the problem is that we've become a society more generically become more secular and the muslims are not immune from that secularism so yeah i'll run my you know haram business because on the friday i'll give my one pound 50 or two pounds to the masjid i can straggle those two kind of competing uh, mindsets no problem because i've learned to do that because that's how i how i think islam is Mm. But actually, what we're saying is that no, it's Islam is everything. Mm. Islam is everything. It's who you are, how you interact, how you behave, how you eat, how you walk, how you talk. All of those things should be embodied in, uh, within a person. So, with that being the case, people have misunderstood Islamic schools. They think either a that okay, that's just. Too much Islam. I don't need that much. Come on, man. That's you know my child can go to school. I'm not going to go that much. Um, or uh, the alternative is uh, well, not alternative, but the uh, competing view is that they're just poor. They're just poor quality, you know, and they don't actually see the value in uh, what Muslim schools can provide. So that's why I, you know, I always laugh at you know, not laugh at, but you know what I mean. Uh, I 
I, I kind of uh, was one point in that you get parents that are paying silly money for like really expensive private schools, 25, 30, 40,000 pounds a year. And yet, um, would they send that, spend that same money on, this is what the private sector, on a, on a private Islamic school? <laughs> is that a question you're asking or do no, we know, or do we know it, the answer? Well, I mean, I, I think the answer would be no, they wouldn't because they're buying into the prestige and the, the values of that institution. Right. And they see opportunities there and they see things that they feel they can't get in any other way, which is fine. And every parent wants best for their child. But um, probably we have as Muslim schools that we don't have those similar type of level of schools in the private sector, at least. So that parents have never been asked the question, would they end up spending that much money? But the point I'm making here more generally here is that what you've got is you've got parents that will happily pay that there, but they won't pay for an Islamic school because they can't see the value um, of an Islamic school. Um, is, but is that is that their fault that they can't see the value or is that the fault of um, people involved in Islamic schools? That so to... I'm getting on to that point. So the, the, the general consensus is that Islamic schools are poorly resourced, poorly staffed, unqualified teachers, all the usual kind of, mm. um, kind of uh, ideas people have. And that's one of the things that uh, we've had plenty of conversations in the past. We need to change the mindset of people. Mm. That when you're coming to an Islamic school, you're dealing with highly qualified staff, highly competent staff, um, as good as, if not better than any other teacher in a similar role in any other school. Uh, but you've got the added value of that will also nurture your child's iman. Yeah. So, you know, like I said to myself, when I became, when I had the idea I wanted to become a head teacher, I made sure I was as qualified as any other head teacher. Mm. So I went for the head qualification. Alhamdulillah, I got MBA, did all that stuff. Not because I was that particularly interested in it in terms of, oh, I want to get this as a qualification. It was because I said, I know I need to prove my worth. And the way worth is valued is through certification, right? Yeah. So you got to show your value in any other way. Uh, and that allowed me to do that. And then, so you you come, you come send your child to this school, I'm as qualified as any other head teacher in any other school. I could work in any other school if I wanted to, to based on my qualifications. So in the same way, although I haven't said that, they've taken away some requirements now, but anyway, the, the point being, at the time when I did it, it was a requirement. Um, now in the same way, um, Muslim schools, we are slowly changing, because they were young, right? So yeah. when I say we, I'm talking about the whole movement, very young. And therefore, you've got the whole range of some that are, but generally, they're all very, you know, considered, you look at the fees, they're very low rate fees, their facilities are generally not as great as they should be, they're, you know, they're not, they're not as well run as they should be. And that's some of the problem that we need to change the mindset of what we can produce. Um, so if you go to like, uh, when I visit once to Turkey, since I'm at schools there, they're, they're completely different kettle of fish. They're, the way they approach things, the way they deal with things is completely different too. Muslim schools in the UK, but we're on a journey. And I think over the next 10, 15 years, you'll see that there'll be more Islamic schools that will open up and expect standards to be very high. They'll expect um, the quality to be provided very high. They'll, they'll resource them much better. Um, and what you'll eventually end up with is I think the, the ones that are poorly run, poorly resourced will just close down. We're going to elaborate on some of these points that you mentioned. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was that Approximately about 
there's about a million young Muslims in primary, secondary schools in the mm. UK. And about 50,000 of them go to Islamic schools. And mm. the remaining 950,000 go to mainstream schools. Is there an argument to suggest that there isn't actually a need for Islamic schools? And the reason why I say that is because if it's about preservation of Iman, if it's about holding on to something more than just, you know, um, secular education, dare I say, there are 950,000 other people who would say, who could potentially argue and suggest that actually by going through the normal schooling system, mainstream schooling system, getting the supplementary education, getting the therapy at home, they're, they're as good or in some cases better off than those that attend Islamic schools. Yeah, that may be the case, but, you know, for me, that's a deficit model, isn't it? It's like, okay, I can get all my secular education and I'll do a little bit of Islam. What Islam has to offer is much more powerful than that. So you're talking about now the crisis of leadership. Look at politicians, look at the Met Police, look at, you know, which other, other scandals on its way. You'll see that people need leaders that have strong values, strong morals, strong purpose. Now, I could say to you that if you, without you know, doing the research, but you know, if you did a re research project on this and look at the leaders of these companies and so on and so forth and what's happened, that most of them probably came from a secular type education system and they've got all the way through the top and they've and they the values they espouse aren't the values that people hold dear. Mm. You know, the average person would say that, you know, it's not appropriate. So what we're trying to say with Islamic schools is that or Islamic values is that we these are noble values because they are values that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So things like justice and fairness and equity and so on and so forth. These are things that as Muslim schools, we want to be at the forefront of creating because if we look at our example, the Prophet, there's no greater leader, no greater leader in the history of humanity. Now, you could argue with me in lots of different ways, but, you know, depending on your viewpoint, but I think if you asked, Two billion people, they'll say, yeah, but then, okay, so you think he's the greatest leader, but you don't want to create the mechanism for us to create leaders like him in the future. Mm. And that's something which I think is a kind of um, a little bit of uh, a kind of split personality, isn't it? It's like, okay, yeah, we want all of that, but we don't want to do anything for it. Oh, my kid's gone off the rails. Well, okay, why has he gone off the rails? And then you look at where what they've exposed him to, his mindset. And this is why, um, you know, sad that you've got things like atheism growing because they've exposed their children to these cultures. And um, and this is it, isn't it? Schools all have their own culture. So if you've had a culture where atheism is rife, for example, and the child's going in there, you're just trying to give him one day less than a week doing Quran or Arabic or Islamic studies. Well, that's not going to help him. Yeah. You know, and so is there any surprise when your child says to you, I, I, I think I want to leave Islam? Mm. And that's where, you know, there is a kind of, uh, you know, what is the purpose of schools, right? Sociological, ALO sociology. There's primary socialization occurs in the family, secondary socialization that occurs in society and particularly in schools. So you're allowing your child to be in an environment for all this hours per day with the peers, with the ages, with all the other things, the home and all that's happening. And then you turn around and you, com you complain because things have gone, gone wrong. Um, so obviously there's competing viewpoints. People say, well, actually, if a child's got, uh, had a bad experience in Islamic school, then they're going to say, well, Islam is, well, that's true. 
I would, I would say it's equally true. That's why I'm so passionate about making sure Islamic schools are the best because we have the best thing. We have the values that we have and we know these are from uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they embody an example from Allah so, so what do we need to do? We need to live that. We need to make sure our schools are promoting that and actually showing it so our children do all the fun things in school. Yeah. And yeah, I've got to pray. Oh, it's time to pray now. Oh yeah, I've got to do my Islamic studies now. I've got to do my Quran. And they're doing that within their lessons and they're always constantly reminded through assemblies and, uh, and the wider curriculum. So it's it's a powerful combination, powerful combination. If you can get that working, it's like nuclear fusion, boom. <laughs> it would be, uh, you know, and that's why I think so passionate because how are we going to change the world? You know, you're going to change the world through education. It's, it's mm. a bit of a cliche, but you, you know, you change the world by educating people. You know, and if you can do that, then we're, we're going to be so much further ahead. You know, I, I have this line I use, um, which um, uh, um, always gets teachers thinking. I said, how do you know that child sitting in your reception class is not the, it's not going to be the new, um, uh, what's not, 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 not the new, but how do you know that child that you've that yeah, you've got in the reception class is going to be the one that's going to make the major impact on the ummah in some way, shape, or form? Mm -hmm. You don't know, because but if you can inspire that child and work with that child and move that child forward, that child, that boy, that girl, what they're going to achieve, only Allah knows. But you're uh, in that position of helping that child in that stages in his early stages, and who knows what he or she will achieve in the future. It's interesting because I think Islamic schools are as important to parents and young people as they are to people like yourself, educators and teachers, because they give you the opportunity to do what you do and actually express yourself um, in the way you want in, in terms of the nurturing that'll be a model. Yeah. Um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of educators in Muslim schools are in Muslim schools for a reason because the philosophy and the vision and the principles align with their own educational absolutely ideas and mindset so yeah I think I think there's a place for it I think it's 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 a it's a question that's out there and I would say that it's a challenging question isn't it from the from the vast majority of Muslims I think they Muslims that don't attend Muslims uh, whose kids don't attend Muslim schools would challenge what's the value of the school for the reasons that you know uh, we understand um, are out there what, what do you think are the biggest challenges for Muslim schools at the moment in general I mean what are what are the you know for us to for us to get our schools to the levels that we want them to be at what are the few things you think that are are top of the kind of list well I think the simple one is strong leaders to be honest I mean quite frank strong leaders I think the dearth of strong leaders and when I say that, I mean leaders that will want to be um, practicing Islam and also professional in their approach to um, uh, leading schools. Sure. So some you have this kind of dichotomy where you have like the kind of, you know, to be stereotypical, like the Imam, the, the Maulana, the, the Sheikh on one side, and then, okay, here's a person teaching on the other side. And... It, or the person in charge of the school and you're thinking well no that's not Islam. it's back to that same thing <laughs> secular systems like you got to one here what you're actually saying is that they can't be the same but what we need to do is have leaders that really value islamic education yeah 
and our profession and their work and highly qualified and highly competent and together they are going to make a massive impact and for me that's what the biggest issue is because if you can have that then they are going to drive they're going to push through and they're going to make sure the schools are going to push forward and become better with what they're doing they're going to hold people to account they're going to you know think creatively they'll fundraise they'll do what they have to do um and you know people talk about money but i don't think about money it's about vision Mm. It's about vision you know m money can be found it's just it's it's needed but it's a substance right it just has to be you know a, a, a kind of a means to to an end so mm. we can find the money but i'll say to you tomorrow if i you know if i if i said to you here's a million pounds now go and run a school right I bet your biggest challenge is going to be who's going to run the school and who's going to make it right and who's going to who we're going to get and who's got the right skill set and who's going to I understand. Was, I was going to offer the job to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of that thousand. Yeah, well, yeah. no, I, th I think you're right. I think and um, that's the problem. Yeah, leadership. I mean, I know you're passionate about it as well, and we've spoken about it in the past. And what do you, what you see out there at the moment? Do you have hope that? Things are gonna sort themselves out, or do you feel as though what you said earlier on, which is well, it's 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 hard to know. I mean, like I'm in one school now, right? And I'm, I'm fortunate; I've got a lot of leaders, and and I, I talk about leadership at every level. Mm. And I'm thinking about how to open opportunities for leaders to grow in my school. Um, and um, but there's there's lots of things like, do they want to become like when I say leaders, I'm talking about leadership at every level. But here I'm talking about headship headship level, yeah. or senior level now. Do they want to get to that level? That's one question. Do they want the, the strains and the stresses? Have they got the resilience? You know, I read this book. Um, uh, well, read is too strong a word, but I, 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 I skimmed through this book for one of my thesis project, and it's, it's it's a book by a Christian school leader, and it's called Reservoirs of Hope. And I remember that because I really love the title, and um, and obviously Christian traditions, Islamic traditions, the Jewish traditions, faith traditions generally, they all they could all you know, uh, understand what he was talking about. And he said, there's often a time where I have to dig into my reservoirs of hope to get through, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's the same thing. Those kind of, those kind of soft skills that you need as a leader to be able to manage your organization, not everyone feels they, they can do it and not everyone feels they want to do it. So the question for us now is, and this is increasingly for me, I've kind of really come to understand over the last few years that back to, my personal vision, if I want to open up a thousand schools or work with a thousand schools or support them, I need to develop leaders. Yeah. So the key thing here is actually how can I develop leaders? So you, know, you get all these kind of memes, you know, um, uh, you know, great leaders, are, you know, uh, create other leaders and, you know, these kind of silly things that get sent out on WhatsApp and stuff. But <laughs> the, the point, the point being is that I'm here at the King of the Castle, right? Alhamdulillah. Now, do I feel threatened if someone's a young upstart comes and really no? I'm going to feel wow. Okay, there's another one. Build him up, build her up, make sure she goes and becomes a teacher somewhere else. Or if I leave, then there's an opportunity here, or there's opportunities, you know. And that's what you need. Um, what you don't want to do is become um, narrow. Focus on narrowly that you end up basically just thinking about me. I'm self-preservation i'm the leader i want to keep my job and i don't want anyone else to grow mm. that's where i think our mistake would be, um, would be a major mistake and so i increasingly see my job to develop leaders and 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 develop the skill sets with them that they can help become better and and that's what our job as as head teachers is about developing other people 
I couldn't agree more. Um, and kind of leads me on to the last couple of questions, inshallah, that we've got. Um, do, you, do you think that over the next, like you said, Islamic education, the movement is is quite young, 30 years, 40 years in the making compared to our other counterparts. Um, what opportunities do you think there are going forward um, for the community, for individuals, for yeah. Muslims in the West when it comes to Islamic schools? Well, I've, I've often said, um, if you just take normal schools, quote unquote, you've got the very elite <clears throat> 50 60,000 pounds a year boardings or maybe more than that boarding schools you have the very posh day schools you have the, the you know the the academy change you've got the comprehensive you know the standalone or as the government's now saying no, no longer to be standalone but you've got all the, all types of kind of got you know all shapes and sizes yeah so i think if you fast forward 50 60 years i think you'll see that islamic schools become all shapes and sizes as well so I kind of alluded to earlier that are there those schools where you have to pay, you know, serious money to get into Islamic school? Well, answers right now, no. But in 10 years, I do believe that if you had a, a nice, plush countryside location with a beautiful kind of playing fields and cricket hole, you know, cricket fields and cricket pitches and stuff, you'd have and had all the facilities mm. and someone invested in it, you could charge 50, 60K a year. Mm. Because they go there, they learn Arabic as well as they learn Latin, you know, and they'll learn the Quran um, and memorize it, and they'll have, you know, um, all the opportunities. Um, they'll dress very posh, and you know, they'll have all of that. All the prestige that the comes prestige that comes with it, and it will be embellished to what Islam is given, right? Yeah. So you're gonna have all of that. So people can say, "Yeah, I want that." They'll pay fifty grand a year for it. Yeah, all right, and then you'll have the state schools like our school here, Alhamdulillah, which is open and available to everyone. Um, so I think you're going to see all shapes and sizes going forward. Um, and that can only be a good thing. That can only be a good thing because each school will have its own, or each type of school will have its own um, values. Uh, obviously underpinned by Islam, but the values will be there that we can actually say, all right, this is what, you come to this school, this is what you get. Just like now, you know, um, you go to this school, this is the kind of values you get. And that's something which I think we'll see uh, over the next few years, inshallah. Definitely. Mashallah. I know you've got a few kids. Um, and Only three, man. You make sound, a few. That's why I said a few. Yeah. <laughs> you make sound like what, 10 or something. <laughs> we never know. Um, if they were to, I think they're at an age, if I'm not mistaken, where they might be thinking about careers and what they want to do in the future. Um, what kind of advice would you give them about they don't ask me, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because they know what's going to come? <laughs> no, you know what? It, it, it might be the strangest thing ever, but as a head teacher, I've never pressurized my kids into like being the best. Like, right, not just your kids, then, but generally speaking, you know, mashallah, you know, there's a lot of young people now and the opportunities that they have today are very different to the opportunities maybe you had or I had or others have had. And so really and truly, they can do... If they put their mind to it, they can do anything they want. And inshallah, if they put the effort in now, then they can be part of that exclusive club of prestigious Islamic schools. Would you would you be encouraging young people to go down that route? Or would you be encouraging them to become mechanics and the doctors and the traditional accountants? You know, uh, Well, to be honest, I would, I would encourage them to do what they enjoy. Because mm. we know our deen, Allah's mercy is vast. Uh, even if you had the intention to be 
a mechanic and you're doing it to provide a halal income for your family and that's what you enjoy you tinkering about with cars and fixing cars and yeah. alhamdulillah that's what you enjoy if you want to become a youtuber become you, you know do what you feel you will enjoy yeah. um and all the caveats of what uh, muslims should do should apply you obviously fast um uh, fasting praying um avoiding the the sins of the heart avoiding arrogance and showing off and all the other things that come so taking all of that into account is come mentioned about youtubers right? it's 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 public is everything you know so you have to kind of always question yourself and make sure you're you're, you're doing the right thing but do what you enjoy mm. do what you enjoy like if i didn't enjoy teaching i wouldn't be doing it right um i wouldn't be staying behind and doing what i want to do and trying to push myself to achieve more um and the same i think it's important for young children now um to do what they enjoy i, mean, I remember when i was a kid i was thinking oh, i'm gonna become an accountant i was like just, i don't know why i just had this thing hey, i'll become an accountant but I would have hated it sitting behind just number crunching on a piece mm. of paper. I would have hated that, you know. So do what you enjoy. There's lots of opportunities. There's opportunities we don't even know. You know, we say this thing in teaching that we're teach we're we're educating you for the jobs that don't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the transferable skills, all those things come into it. But we know, like I said, there's some universal values that Islam teaches us that apply. You know, regardless of where you end up, I think people. Um, respect um and hold those values dear and you have to show that as a as an individual whether it's to do with journalism or whatever if you ask them where we think that where i think there might be need then yeah things like journalism big area uh, you know media is a big area um influences you know that kind of whole thing is a big area um and you know if that's something you feel that you're passionate about and you can make a difference and you know and go for it inshallah What's the one thing you think um, that young people could work towards that would influence Islamic schooling? Well, I mean, it is, at its core, it's teaching and learning. That's not going to change. So it's about being passionate about your subject, being interested in learning more about your subject, being passionate about teaching and learning, uh, wanting to become a teacher, of course, first and foremost. I think all those things um, uh, are there. Um and obviously the the whole your own spiritual growth your own spiritual development is very important because uh you know there's often say the things that uh, the thing that you do not have you cannot give yeah. so making sure you yourself are, are um, embodying what it means to be a good muslim you know i think that's really really important and then you can inshallah inspire others and help others become you know uh, inshallah uh, better muslims as well Ustad. Jazakallah khair for your time. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, sure. time has flown. Um, yeah. I think just from my side of things, as I started off and I'll finish off like this, I think if I didn't have the interactions with people like yourself quite early on, then I probably wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. Yeah. Um, so I think, mashallah, you are an inspiration to people and I think you continue to be so. And uh, inshallah, I pray that Allah give... Um, Bless this school, inshallah, allow it to grow, Amen. to be the beacon uh, for the Islamic community because, you know, alhamdulillah, it has the potential to do so. And inshallah, you have the opportunity to fulfill your your vision, um, vision 1000, let's call it. Vision 1000. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder where I got that from. Vision, <laughs> vision 1000. But no, If you'd like to participate in the Murabbin show, why not get in contact? It's as simple as going to our website, murabiyun.com and filling out this simple form.